<clears throat> All right. So this is another one of those ones. It seems like two weeks in a row where I'm like, I don't know, like, can we fill out a, a full hour? But I have every confidence in your all's ability. <laughs> anyway, so looking at the second great commandment talk, uh, chapter 35 here, um, it was very interesting. After we got done with it, I was like, okay. So in contrast to spiritual treasures and to the closing remarks where we do the uh, new temple recommend interview and, and all of that, where does this fit in? Why is he spending his precious time going through this second great commandment and all of the examples of uh, the churches benefiting the or blessing the, the world with, um, uh, with our uh, charitable donations and time and efforts and, and all that kind of stuff. So like, what are your guys's opinions about this talk and its timely uh, application here in this uh, October 2019 conference, etc? Just like, what did you guys get out of that? Can I share just one thing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, when you I haven't actually had this experience, but I've, I've known about it. When a child overhears a parent praising them and maybe the child isn't actually living up to what um, the parent is praising them for, there will be an inner commitment within that child to want to do better and be the kind of person that the parent thinks that they already are or doing what they you know that kind of thing so I kind of wondered if that was part of it of you know wanting to live up to um live up to those things more fully so I guess that means that I was being maybe cynical or <laughs> I don't know but that I was the same work. direction what you mean where President Nelson thanks us for doing something we probably haven't done yet yeah <laughs> For help helping Israel on both sides of the veil to strengthen yeah. our families, to bless the lives of those in need, and to be living as true followers of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of the problem the church runs into is that it, the membership, think by giving the money to the church, the church will do the benevolent work. Okay, and the as individuals, they don't have to. Therefore, they do. Uh, they. Well, they buy the church for the service, or the ser they buy the service for the church. Therefore, they think that that's the extent of it, and they've done their part. But I think in this particular case, President Nelson was saying to each individual, "This is what this is what needs to be done by each one of you." Mm -hmm. And I think that was his um, that's his grandfatherly way of saying. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna set the expectation that you can live up to. Mm -hmm. Step it up a little, right? <laughs> yep. So I'm not the only one that thought that. <laughs> oh no, no! I think we all got that message, right? <laughs> Thank you for all you are doing. Yep. And then you go, huh? Okay, what am I doing? Am okay. I? Am what I, am I doing again? <laughs> I need to do more. And so I reverse, really reverse psychology. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
So like verse 13 there, where he talks about this uh, church humanitarian outreach was launched in 1984 and church members donated that single fast day, 6.4 million. And uh, <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know, I was born in 87. So, I mean, uh, a while after this, I had never even heard of that statistic or that we event. We are the world. Have you ever heard that song? We are the children. That was done by all these rock stars and stuff. Every once in a while, they they bring it out. Live Aid. Live Aid. It was for the Ethiopian famine in 1984. Oh, okay. So bad that like 50 rock star famous performers got together and, and recorded a record and all the money for it went to this famine relief. Well, that's what they claimed the money went for. Uh-huh. Probably only the 6.4 million actually got there. Well, no, that was that was the rock star thing, and then and then yeah. you know, and they had this big huge concert and stuff. But then the church did a fast, a special fast, mm-hmm. and in one day raised six point four million. See, that's so. an interesting thing. I don't know. I've just never taken the time to like, go and uh, go back to that and stuff. Anyway, it was very interesting. But um, kind of along the lines of, you know, um, here's what we've done in the past, and and we're thanking you for for all of your contributions and stuff. And I'm like, wow, I. I need to ramp up my game a little bit. You know, I mean, obviously 6.4 million should be shared amongst all the membership of the church, but like, you know, maybe I, I need to uh, kick it up a notch and and really not just do the bare minimums of my <laughs> donations kind of thing, but uh, be charitable till it hurts. You know, like sometimes I've heard that saying kind of used good and bad, right? But, <laughs> you know, like actually uh, go without um, I forget which verse it is here, but um, that we go hungry so that others to who help others who are hungry kind of thing. Um, anyway, I think that that uh, is an interesting uh, perspective here of what you guys have, have mentioned. Because that's not where my, my brain went, but it, it makes a lot of sense. That 6.4 million... Uh, that's only a dollar or two <laughs> for cap, isn't it? Or am yeah, I a member of the church? Yeah. Uh-huh. It'd be interesting to see like the population at that exact time or whatever. And then mm-hmm. like kind of seeing what that, I mean, what that translates into today as far as inflation, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, like going to verse 14, I really liked this. Uh, it says that then um, Elder. M. Russell Ballard and Brother Glenn L. Pace were dispatched to Ethiopia to assess how these consecrated funds could be best used. And I think, man, what a what an assignment. <laughs> you know, like, here's $6.4 million in your pocket. Go and uh, don't blow it all in one place, kind of a thing. <laughs> like, go and, and help and, and make sure that the Lord gets this where it needs to go. Like, that, that's a pretty... Uh, interesting ask right and we've we've had talks in general conference i remember at bednar's a, a while back where the the distribution of the the funds I, i'm butchering it like that committee that that decides that on a regular basis right like where these funds go and and everything but how um testimony building it is of the lord's organization in his his church where we can handle that kind of money flow and uh, bless the lives of, of lots of people. 
And then it comes down to us in our personal lives and ministries, et cetera, to, to bless those around us in our own uh, personal spheres. But um, that as a church as a whole, we can uh, gather these, these bigger uh, kind of lump sums and, and things to, to bless in those specific catastrophes or, or what have you. Without all the overhead that most nonprofits or charities have, right? Mm -hmm. um, church membership at the close of 1984, according to the statistical report, was 5,650,000 members. Interesting. Well, less than a dollar. <laughs> no, 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 it was more because they raised 6.4 million and yeah. this was 5,650,000. I know we gave more. Oh, than yeah, yeah. I was going the wrong direction. Yeah, um, 1984, I, I, I remember that. So, um, but that was, um, that was the, the fast Sunday and that was the membership. There was something else you were talking about that I was going to say. I was still in Argentina. He was still in Argentina. Yeah, I was at college when they were doing this. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, oh, gee, it'll come to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I loved when they were talking about like the wheelchairs and, and the, the eyeglasses. I remember on my mission that was very eye-opening to me, um, like every single wheelchair that I ever seen in Mexico, I, I've probably not everyone, but I would say a good 85, 90% of all wheelchairs have the church's logo on it. And they are always um, saying thank you to the missionaries that bear that same logo on their shirts, right? And I, I just didn't realize, like, I don't know, we don't have many recipients of that here in, in Southern Idaho. Uh, I just hadn't seen it before or whatever. Anyway, it's very eye-opening. And how many people had glasses because of the church's uh, optometry program there in, in Mexico? And just kind of seeing it firsthand, how, how it's blessing so many people's lives and um, being a, a witness to that and how grateful people really are um, and realizing that they probably wouldn't have had that without some of those contributions and realizing hey, you know that that fast offering that I gave back when is uh, being realized somewhere in, in the world and, and seeing that kind of firsthand really opened my eyes to it. Yeah, Becky. I'm just curious what everybody's thoughts are as I'm reading those three examples. I'm like, why is he sharing these examples? You yeah. know, not including the Ethiopia, but the, the first three. I'm wondering if anybody has any thoughts on that. Yes, let's line those out. Um, so the first one is um, in the Pacific, right? Oh, where am I? First three. Uh -huh. So the um, the imams there in Christchurch, New Zealand. Mm -hmm. So um, kind of extending to to other religions, and you know, I mean, that's that's pretty uh, great in in verse five there. Um, a modest financial assistance to rebuild their mosques. I mean, we're we're helping them worship how, you know, regardless of, of race, gender, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, that we're uh, blessing their brotherhood as well. And then the next example is in Buenos Aires and the 
Oh, that's the wheelchair one right there. A third precious moment was, oh, the, the little girl's example, or that, yeah, that letter of the things that they have in common. Those are three very interesting examples. <laughs> and did anyone listen to President Nelson again? Um, that, that last phrase of verse eight there, um, he really choked up on that, uh, that he, uh, this girl is writing about her brother, has perfect pitch too, he is blind like me. I mean, the emotion that was conveyed through um, his talk there was, was outstanding. Well, I was, I was sort of curious about why, you know, uh, he picked, he wasn't going to use the, in, the young lady's name, you mm -hmm. know, so he picked the name Mary as a pseudonym, whatever. <laughs> but then you have to ask yourself, well, what about all of the what about all the Marys that are in the audience or in the listening area whose name is now being used as a, as a placeholder? And uh, I was talking with my wife about it. She was saying, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't so much an anonymity of the person itself, but maybe he couldn't pronounce her name or maybe it was a name that would classify her as far as gender, or, I mean, not gender, but, uh, but race or or ethnicity or or something that he felt like it wasn't um because uh, later on she does talk about how her their their native language is is mandarin and and that other members of her family are of chinese origin but i guess he was just trying to keep the family uh anonymous i'm sure all there's who are familiar with the family themselves would have recognized it, but I, I was just kind of curious on why he did it. He he used a different name, uh, one that was maybe was very common. Maybe Mary was a very common name to many uh, cultures and religions. So maybe that was a tying force. Yeah, that's very interesting. I think it was because it was just easier to pronounce than maybe something in Mandarin. <laughs> he speaks Chinese though, so I kind of I'm thinking maybe not. I'm not thinking easier to pronounce for him. I'm thinking it easier for us to pronounce because we use these as lessons, right? In priesthood and relief society and studying and things like that. So, you know, without bringing undue attention, you know, maybe somebody who might know her name but doesn't know her family and her story kind of thing keep it mm -hmm. um, keep it separate but um i think in in verse 10 he he talks about you know latter-day saints as with other followers of jesus christ are always looking for ways to help to lift and to love others they who are willing to be called the Lord's people are willing to bear one another's burdens, mourn with those that mourn, comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And those are the covenants that we make in baptism. The footnote takes you to the story of Alma at the Waters of Mormon, baptizing people and talking about the covenants that they made when they were baptized. And so I think he's trying to remind us 
you made covenants when you were baptized to bear one another's burdens and mourn with those who mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And, and I think that maybe there are a lot of people who aren't doing that, right? And this is pre-COVID. So people just rolling right along in life and he's trying to get us to start thinking about, hey, you need to be paying attention to other people because what happened when COVID came along, right? There are all sorts of burdens people had because they were stuck at home or because they were sick. Mourning with those who mourn, there are a lot of people mourning people they've lost to COVID, you know? And, and there's a lot of comfort that needs to be had. So he's reminding us ahead of time, this is what you covenanted to do. And uh, yeah. that's, you know, kind of just getting us ready. Yeah, I, I really like that. It, it's interesting as I'm just kind of sitting here trying to like symbolism, all that kind of stuff, trying to figure out like these three and, and how they really tie together. I mean, yes, in the overall um, uh, second great commandment area and stuff, but yeah, what uh, Nancy just said there, like you've covenanted all three of these and when he's touring the world, he's seeing these things in action. And then kind of like well, you guys were talking about at the beginning, like, uh, and now uh, for those that, that might not have uh, been up to par or been doing it or, or whatever, like, remember, you've covenanted and uh, we're going to have an ever increasing need for this. Board. Well, you know, if you look at these three examples, right, in the first example, we're mourning with those who mourn. Because, you know, they had, um, we extend our sympathy, right? Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, their, their mosque was bombed, right? Or they were shot or whatever. And then in the, in the one with the wheelchairs, um, we are bearing their burdens. We're helping them to, you know, be able to move around. And then with the young lady, um, her family, who's adopted seven of these kids from, you know, um, they're comforting those that stand in need of comfort and empathizing with them and, and really comforting them, bringing them into their home, making them part of their family. So, yeah. you know, they just gave three, three, examples, three examples of those three covenants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love them. And then he, he says, when we love God with all our hearts, he turns our hearts to the well-being of others in a beautiful, beautiful, virtuous cycle. <clears throat> and so he's letting us know, you know, if you're not, if your hearts are not turned to the well-being of others, then you don't really love God with all your heart and, and you need to. And, and that's something you need to work on. That's the, uh, that's the pattern for Zion, too. Because if we spent all of our time trying to find out the needs of, and to meet the needs of others, then they will in turn spend energy in their thought process in finding out what our needs are. So we can meet the needs of each other and we can be selfless and have all of our needs taken care of all at the same time. So it's a kind of like another pattern of Zion. Oh, I love that. And so like, how do we balance the uh, the seasons of our life kind of a thing with these principles here? Because, you know, sometimes um, 
you know, I'm not being able to, to do worldwide tours and, <laughs> and see all of this stuff in action, or I'm not able to, you know, go back down to Mexico at every uh, chance I get and, and see these wheelchairs and uh, being able to, to bless there. Like, you know, the, the Lord positions us in, in lots of different spheres of influence and ability and, and everything, right? Sometimes I may not have money, but I may have ample time or, or vice versa kind of thing. Um, how do we always make sure that we can um, implement this second great commandment wherever we're at and not get, um, I don't know, like bogged down because like sometimes uh, this can seem like overwhelming, like, ah, I just can't serve everyone all the time. You know, like <laughs> that's a, a common theme in my life, right? You all know that I overbook myself a lot. Um, and sometimes it's a good, better, best principle. Sometimes it's a yeah, I just needed a, a down week and uh, sometimes I, I kind of feel guilty about it, but um, how do we always maintain and uh, live this second great commandment? Well, the poor are always going to be among us. So that part we don't have to worry too much about, but like you said about being overwhelmed, if you were to ask the Lord, whom can I serve today? He will provide the a right amount of energy necessary for you to be engaged and active, but not overwhelmed. So I think if, if you work with that, he can, he can play to your strengths. He can go with your resources and he can make it so that you stretch a little bit, but not overstretch. I think it, and if you work closely with him and you volunteer your time and your efforts, then I think he will utilize your efforts to the best possible for you and for the recipients of your energy. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a few things at play here, right? Um, you know, we, we remember the conference talk where we were told to lift where we stand, right? We yeah. don't have to all go on world tours and do these things. What we need to do is we need to do these three covenants where we live. So the question is, Cameron, is, what are you doing to help those around you? What do you do that helps those on these book clubs? What do you do? What sacrifice are you doing? What service are you giving? I would, I would say there's probably quite a bit of it there, right? So that we each have our own things. We don't have to all do the same thing. That would be pretty boring. And then there would be a lot of stuff that's undone. But you do one thing and I do something else and he does something else. Then we, we all have these different things. And by doing that, everybody's needs are met. They're just met by different people, right? Uh, I think the, the prophet is, is um, also, he is, uh, he's using the process that we're taught in the temple of return and report. Yeah. So members have given all this money and doing this stuff. He is returning. He is reporting at, general conference to the membership here is where your humanitarian money is going and and we don't you know we've heard a lot about it lately because you know we've been hearing about everything the church did with covid but remember this is pre-covid you yeah. know um he was he's telling us here's what we're doing long before everybody else is trying to do something with covid and we still did a ton of stuff from covid but this is the return and report ahead of time and um you know the only the problem that you run into whenever you're giving an example 
and he's given us three, is that we the adversary wants us to compare our lives, our worst part with these people's best, because that's what we're seeing, right? We're seeing the best. We're not necessarily seeing the worst. We don't see the, the worst days, but we're seeing the best. We're seeing the service. And then we compare what we don't do with that. And, and you can't compare your worst with somebody else's best. You're never gonna come out ahead. It's one of the reasons social media is so awful, right? Is because everybody puts their best on there and people look at it and go, I can never measure up. I'll never, I'll never be worth anything. And that's what the adversary wants you to do. He mm. wants us stuck there instead of realizing I can serve somebody right here, right now with the resources I have. You know, like Scott said, ask the Lord, who can I serve today? And maybe that service is going to be something super, super simple. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah exactly. and then uh becky in the chat i think that having the line of communication open with heavenly father will help with this we have to go by the spirit and see if and what else we need to do um i think that that's, that's super crucial i mean uh isn't it just this next like in between conferences that it does to hear him like yeah exactly that principle right having that that line of communication open and being able to to, to live by that because every single ministry, every single thing that we're doing um, is going to be different. It's not in a generalized sense. These are just examples, but um, our own service will, will look a lot different and in all of our different scenarios. Yeah. I, I think another thing that was very interesting is his um, comments in verse 18, right? Mm -hmm. Where he's talking about the the people in West Africa who they had very little in material possessions, but they came in spotless white clothing. So, you know, they came to church in their, in the best thing that they could. Um, but I like this. I asked the stake president how he cared for members who had so little. He replied that their bishops knew their people well. And here's the part that really stands out. If members could afford two meals a day, no help was needed two meals a day, right? But if they could afford only one meal or less, even with family help, bishops provided food financed from fast offerings. And then the remarkable fact, the fast offering contributions usually exceeded their expenses. So here are people who can only afford two meals a day. They're not getting any help, two meals a day. What would the average American or Western European or, you know, member of the church somewhere else, how in the world would they feel if they could only, if they could only afford two meals a day or one meal or less a day? And I think that gives him, that gives a bar of, you know, here's the dividing line between you need help and you don't. Sometimes I think in the U.S. there are people who can afford two meals, but they can't afford three, right? And they're out there going, I don't have enough money. You know, maybe you want to buy junk food or who, who knows, whatever. But it, it, it kind of gives a, a bar and makes people stop and go, wow. Um, yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a, a lot less than I, I would have thought, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that stood out a lot. Yeah, for sure. I really liked the the last part of that last sentence of that verse, 
where those stalwart African saints taught me a great lesson about two things. And, and this is, I still need to like do my word study on it and stuff, but the power of the law and the spirit of the fast. And those two things really stood out to me. Like why differentiate between those two and what implications does that have in this story and in its application, what he's intending for us? Um, I think there's a, a lot of great insights. Now, what's that law? Yeah, I mean, the law of the fast. Uh huh. I think that there's a lot of laws. Actually, it's about the power of the law of the fast and about the spirit of the law of the fast. Or is it the power of the law of consecration? Because they're consecrating their uh, contributions, right? Yeah. Toward the feeding of other people. Which law is it? Which is interesting from the previous one, Spiritual Treasures, he also brings in that consecrating. And so in all three of his talks, this, this uh, general conference, um, consecration is, is a huge one. And so I, I, I like where you brought that in there, the power of that law and uh, how that, that affects, like what is the, the role of the law of the fast inside of the law of consecration and how does that work and everything? Um, I've been listening to Journey to the Veil and uh, his examples of, of fasting and, and changing and stuff, right? And it, my mom can attest, like we just, every time we turn around this last week, the law of the fast and the law of consecration is coming up all over the place. And um, I, I don't know about for everyone else, but like, for me, it's just like, okay, the Lord's trying to really teach me and tell me something. It's like the fasting has as a, a huge crucial pivot point for me to to change and, uh, and everything but i like where you brought in the, the consecration there and how that that ties in with them yeah because if you look at the higher laws and the lower laws right the law of the fast you, you've got the law of the fast it's the value of two meals right and you have the law of tithing which is 10 percent. it's a little bit more and then you go up a little another level and you've got law of consecration where you're given it all and then you get back sufficient for your needs and your want, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you you give and you give your all. So, um, and I think it's as long as we're not consuming our, you know, it, on our lust, right? That happens. But your your needs and and those reasonable wants of things that you would like to have, but not consumed on your lusts. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where that spirit uh, comes in, right? Um, so there's the power of the law itself, but then the actual spirit of it and how that can modify and, and transform us. Then that Old Testament quote in the end of 19, thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother and to thy poor and to thy needy. Well, that's in Deuteronomy 15. And the beginning of that verse says, for the poor shall never cease out of the land. And I read that and I thought, well, why not? Right? Yeah. Because we know if you create Zion, there are no poor among them. So if we create Zion, the poor will cease out of the land. But the Israelites weren't to that point, obviously, right? Um, 
So we need to, I think this is another way for him to suggest that we need to step it up another level. Mm-hmm. We're running out of time and we need to be able to create Zion. And we can't if the poor never cease out of the land. Yeah, I love that. You know, one aspect of this, the, the law of the fast would be, uh, let's say I were to go to work one day and I wouldn't eat breakfast and I wouldn't eat lunch. And then I just plan on eating my, my supper at the end of the day. So that would be fulfilling the law of the fast. But if I were to take myself and plan for that day and provide myself the breakfast meal and the lunchtime meal and then and go ahead and take it with me, but take it out and find somebody to give it to, to give that breakfast meal to somebody and to give that lunch meal to somebody else at the time when you would be eating it, then while having it within your hand and then giving it to somebody else that would be the spirit of the law and and then then to go hungry yourself while you have it at your at your fingertips to to consume on your own self on your own lust on your own uh, hunger but then to give it away i think that's part of the upper part the 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 higher law the higher part of the law and that's what the the prophet is trying to teach us yeah that's very interesting i have a um a little art journal thingy that i did um a while ago this particular parts on charity and i have a lot of quotes and things in here but um i like this a bone to a dog is not charity charity is the bone shared with the dog when you are just as hungry as the dog mm-hmm. right so I think President Nelson is trying to get us to that point that, you know, so many members think, okay, well, I give my money, I write my check, I do whatever, I'm, there's my charity, my charity is done. But is it really charity if it doesn't hurt at all? Um, Charity to be fruitful must cost us. To love, it is necessary to give. To give, it is necessary to be free from selfishness. That quote is from Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Leslie. Sorry, I missed a tiny bit of it. Um, my husband told me, um, I may not get all the details exactly right, but you'll get the, the gist of it, I think, works. Um, that there was um, two men um <laughs> trying to figure out how to say this without it coming out wrong. Um P tortured, that's what our our um welfare assignment is in our area. And um two men were talking and saying, I I just wish that they I could give money and then they could hire somebody in my place to pick, to tend the, pe- the peach trees. <clears throat> and th- this, the, these two men that were talking uh, were from an affluent area here along the Wasatch Front. And <laughs> Becky's nodding her head. 
and how um, the bottom line was it, it the Lord does, doesn't want his his money. He wants him to physically go and serve and um, probably so if they could hire somebody, it would be, they would probably do a better job than what he did. But um, the Lord's really wise and wants us to, to, to do the doing. And uh, I was thinking, you know, what if we really did do what Scott talked about, you know, and it physically gave away our meal instead of, you know, pushing the button on the church website and, you know, it takes automatically takes money out of our account. And uh, I, I think it would, uh, it would change us, change us in a, in a bigger way. Yeah. Because, so. yeah, every time that I've, uh, <laughs> we, we don't have a lot of like homeless people around here or whatever, especially in the small town. When I go to, to Burley, it, I mean, there's some every once in a while and stuff. And so like, Every time I, I drive past, I, I always am uh, going and, and getting them some food along with, you know, my meal kind of a thing, or I'm uh, hopping out of my car and giving them some money and kind of chatting with them. But um, what what Scott was saying was, was an interesting one where the spirit was like, yes, that's what you need to do next time. Uh, not just go get your meal with their meal kind of a thing or whatever, but like actually go without as you are giving it to them or whatever um and anyway the the little voice was like and it'll happen tomorrow so get ready and i'm like okay <laughs> that, that's like an interesting one i've never really thought about that where i mean i don't know i i i'm, I'm just going to to get my food and so i i'm oh i might as well get theirs as well but that the spirit needs to to modify and tweak something in my my service there to actually go without and, and have it be uh, a greater sacrifice on my part or whatever that is kind of transformational. I, I, I loved that that idea being brought out because I don't think I would have got there on my own. <laughs> and so uh, that's exactly what this talk <laughs> needed to, to teach me tonight. Hey, even a blind squirrel can find a nut every now and then. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, one of my, uh, like when you were talking about Deuteronomy, my brain went to this Matthew 25 one as well. Um, in verse 20, uh, I really started thinking about the context of Matthew 25 because, you know, we have Matthew 24, which is one of the, the great uh, sections of the uh, New Testament to, to prepare us for the latter days. But what parable is this quote from? Uh, where I was in hunger and you gave me meat, I was thirsty, you gave me drink, etc. And I was like, I don't think I know the answer to that question. I probably should. But anyway, when I was looking it up, it is the parable of the sheep and the goats. And I was like, oh, how timely is that for October 2019, right before the winnowing, I like to call it <laughs> the great winnowing of 2020. And here's the parable of the sheep and the goats preparing us for it. And um, anyway, just how timely that that really was for this talk, because I remember thinking at the time in my own naive way or whatever, I was like, huh, well, I, that's a great talk, whatever. And I'll, I'll focus on, you know, spiritual treasures and, and the, the temple recommend questions or whatever. Uh, but I, I really 
um, what's the word? I can't think of the English equivalent, but I kind of swept this one under the rug, I guess you could say. I, I didn't give it much thought at the time. I was just like, oh, that's that's great. Kind of the returning and reporting feature, but um, I hadn't really thought about how it was preparing us for what was ahead and whether we are determining if we're gonna be sheeps or goats. You discounted the importance of this talk. Yeah, discounted the importance. In Spanish, it's menopreciar. <laughs> it's a really easy word. Minimize it. Minimized. Minimize. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a perfect one. But anyway, I, I really loved that that quote there, the, the Matthew 25 reference. Um, and then kind of going down to, to verse 26 and tying in with that, um, the recent United Nations report indicated that the number of undernourished people in the world, and I, when I was reading that, I was like, ooh, undernourished, does that mean physical or spiritual or emotional or how exactly are they undernourished, like in, in context of this talk, right? Because um, obviously United Nations are doing a very physical manifestation of that. But look at how many of us were actually being undernourished in our own uh, lives and what 2020 was helping us to, to see and assess and, and grow and actually get that nourishment that we stood in need of. Well, and they've been warning us at this point, right? They started Come Follow Me and had been trying to tell us what we needed to do so that we wouldn't be spiritually malnourished. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eight hundred twenty million. I thought it was um, the interesting thing on this uh, water issue right yeah where in, was the, that? in the condo it's first 29 mm -hmm. so you have a town that has more than a hundred thousand people living in it and they have no running water how, how do you get a hundred thousand people living someplace with no yeah. water oh like i mean why, why don't you someplace else i mean if you're going to have a hundred thousand people obviously at some point in time you know maybe you only had a thousand people but no running water. Why didn't they move somewhere else where there was running water and then make the town there? How do you have a town that has no running water with that many people? Yeah. Well, their water well or supply could have dried up. It could have become contaminated mm -hmm. due to manufacturing or some other kind of uh, issue, man-made or Maybe. natural. So in order to for them to continue to serve, they've had to or to live, they've had to go to another municipality or another water source. And um, obviously there was some distance between one town and the next. So. And then and then to find the mountain spring, but it's 18 miles away, right? And so you couldn't get that water on a regular basis. So I thought it was interesting that the humanitarian missionaries found out about it. And then they didn't just go and bring in water. They didn't just go and dig them a new well. They didn't just go and say, oh, well, let us create, you know, cut you an aqueduct or something. I mean, the church had the resources. They totally could have done that, right? Mm 
but they worked with them. They supplied materials and training so that the people built it themselves and then they were trained on how to use it and upkeep it and take care of it so that then they were self-sufficient with it. Our, our government has a tendency to want to throw money at people and think that, oh, well, or, or the, the big thing that's happening now is they are building these apartments for homeless people. And so they build these nice apartments and they put the homeless people in them. Well, they don't teach them how to take care of it. They don't teach them anything about maintenance. Some of these people have been living on the street for so long. They don't know how to function very well in an apartment. And maybe that's one of the reasons they're on, on the street. And, and within a year or two, those, they're all trashed because they don't have any investment in it. They're not taught how to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you, throwing money at the principal. I mean, money at the right. issue principal. But then if you look at like Habitat for Humanity, right? And Habitat for Humanity, the people come and they help build the house. Mm-hmm. So they help build their house. Or if they're not building their house, they're helping build somebody else's house. And so then they are, um, they're learning about how the house goes together and what it takes and how the maintenance and things along those lines. So that when there's not somebody there to do it for them they're self-sufficient and I think that that was a really good thing and you think about this three years to dig a one meter deep that's a little more than three feet trench through rock and jungle (laughs) that's not easy (laughs) through rock digging uh, yeah I'm gonna dig this one meter trench through rock and for 18 miles think about think about a map in your head of where you live in some place 18 miles away. You could Google it. Any any town, any place 18 miles away. And then you'll get a little bit of an idea of how how long this aqueduct had to be and, and the, all the things that you would encounter in point between point A and point B. You know, maybe they maybe that where that town was at, they the aquifer that was underneath that was contaminated therefore they couldn't just drill another well so you know that's but that's determination that's where people have to have a vested interest in their own solution and the church was just providing them the materials and they had to provide the desire and the labor Mm -hmm. so i live in american fork which is you know just south of the point of the mountain 18 miles away from me is Springville, which is south of Provo. So that would be digging an aqueduct from here through Pleasant Grove and Linden and all of Orem and all of Provo and then south. Dang. Get on it. Yep. <laughs> it would probably take our division of public works here three years to build something like that, right? For that mm-hmm. distance. Yeah. So anyway. That's very interesting. I think it's interesting. He then goes on to talk about refugees. Mm-hmm. And what are we dealing with right now? Right? Huge influx in that. Well, you know, Europe had all these refugees and now, you know, you've got refugees from Afghanistan. We've got 
of people flooding across the southern border and now you have everything going on with Ukraine. There are refugees all through Europe. Um, did I tell you guys about my daughter-in-law's no. sister-in-law? I told somebody about it. All right. Um, my daughter-in-law's brother is married to a Ukrainian woman. Okay. And her parents and sister-in-law were trying to get out of Ukraine and get to them in Switzerland. Um, the dad had had a stroke, you know, the grandpa's had a stroke, the grandma didn't drive, two little kids. The dad is a police officer in Ukraine, so he couldn't leave. So the mom took the kids and the grandparents and started driving in an ancient car with like 350,000 miles on it, drove two days straight no place to stop and sleep, no, drove two days straight to get to Switzerland with just what they could grab in like 15 minutes and throw in the car. So, you know, that, and, and they're one of the lucky ones they had a car to drive out. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you have all of, all of that that's going on. So for him to to a couple of years ago, tell us about refugees and get us thinking about refugees and I think that is making people more aware of the plight and more willing to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know why, but like it keeps coming to my mind when I'm reading this talk of like, we know that there was great wars and strife with Enoch and Noah and, you know, those uh, great uh, disruptions in uh, warfare, etc. And like, okay, what did they do when there, or what would they have done when there's all these refugees and, and the, the gathering of uh, Israel, the, the Zion principle, fleeing to Zion kind of a thing. Uh, it just kind of is an interesting parallel to our day and what's happening and how we can be involved and uh, helping spread the gospel, trying to, to save lives both physically and spiritually in all of these different uh, areas. I don't know why, but Enoch and, and his city just keep popping up in my mind as we're reading it. Well, because if we want to build Zion, right, we're going to be the ones taking in refugees. Mm -hmm. uh, we might be the refugees ourselves fleeing to Zion, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's all part of it. And it's all part of, you know, making sure that the poor aren't always among us and it's not that they're not among us because we're all just so affluent and the poor live somewhere else <laughs> it's um, yeah. that we have taken care of everyone's needs although i think in the particular case of zion zion is more than just a economical status it's it's a part of the, the thinkings of the heart mm -hmm. and those people who are refugees will will undoubtedly have a a survival mentality and they will be their heart will be all upon uh self-preservation and get what you can get so from from members of zion i'm assuming that they would be going out and providing assistance and pro provisions for the refugees but at the same time they would also have to expect that it would take time for the refugees to um, embrace the idea of Zion. So yeah. therefore it would have to be kind of like a buffer zone between 
the outer outer world and the refugee camp area and then where Zion is. And as you work with those on the outskirts of Zion and, and help them meet their temporal needs first. And then once they're, they feel comfortable and they feel supplied in their temporal needs, then their spiritual needs will be open for instruction and love and, um, and, and, and teaching. So therefore, uh, I think it's a process. It's, it's one of those things that we're all trying to work towards and um, trying to uh, share more than just temporal needs, but share the things of the heart, share things of the spirit and the, and the goodness of Jesus Christ. And that, I think there's a, there's a big thing there that a lot of people just kind of overlook um, in their process to being benevolent and to being assistant. They have to give time for those people who have been victimized or who have been uh, turned into a refugee, that they have to not only embrace the temporal stuff, but they got to be given time to embrace the the aspect of Jesus Christ providing for them for every um, uh, providing for every need as they as they need and then having the faith to believe it'll appear just in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, I'm Becky. So we talked about this um, a little bit in church today. Well, I say we, it was in sacrament meeting, so I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> It felt like I did, but um, I think it's important to remember with all of this what the first great commandment is, because if you don't truly love the Lord and let him love you in return, you're, you're not doing any acts. It's the acts of service aren't really coming from your heart. Um, you're still helping, but um, if you're doing it begrudgingly or I don't think most people don't try try to do do that on purpose but uh, as I was thinking about like you know I think square one for me at least is to make sure that I'm allowing him to love me because how many times do I push him away if I've misunderstood something or you know anyways I thought that was yeah key yeah, because I mean, these these two commandments go hand in hand. If you don't understand the one, how can we um, fully do do the second? I love that. Cameron, I think Leslie had her hand up a while back and gave up. <laughs> I think it was from the, the first time. I just never oh, did lower that? it down. Oh, in remedial <laughs> class training. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, when you go back and watch the video, look at the look on her face when she realized it was back up. <laughs> I know. Oh, ah! And she went and closed it. Oh, I Cameron because I knew you saw that. <laughs> Give me a chuckle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, again, I was kind of like, uh, well, there might not be enough to talk about in this talk, but nope, it surprised me again. I love it. <laughs> there was a, a lot oh, packed in there. um but yeah the other talks in in this uh spiritual treasures and then the the closing remarks are very powerful and everything 
heading right into COVID, I, I think it's a very interesting uh, transitory conference that uh, is really gearing us up for, for what's ahead. It was a fun one to, to go back and ponder through. Yeah. Well, and then like on verse 39, he comes back around again, right? Mm -hmm. um, I've also marveled as world leaders have visited the first presidency, expressing their hope for the church to be established in their lands. Why? Because they know that Latter-day Saints will help to build strong families and communities, making life better for others wherever they live. I think that's another thing like we had in the first verse. Okay, we really want more people to come and ask, oh, can we have more churches here? Because you guys are such a good example. Um, you know, I just, I just see some more, um, you know, because he, he then goes on and talks about how members of the church do these things, right? We give, gener give help to others and, and, and do all this in living that second great commandment. So um, he, he bookends the talk with these are the things you need to do. Mm -hmm. and, and, and thank you for doing these things. And this is <laughs> yes. Thank you for doing this. And because you're doing this, this is what we're hearing. Oh, and if you're not doing it, maybe you want to start. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it might not be convenient. You might have to step out of your comfort zone, but it's time. <laughs> well, and those people who have ears to hear will hear it mm -hmm. and they will make a change. Those people who are in the process of hardening their hearts when they hear this, they won't make a change. They'll get caught up in the in the numbers, they'll get caught up in all the things that they, that the church does, or the things that they don't agree with politically that the humanitarian thing, you know, arm of the church does. They get, they get caught up in that when they're hardening their hearts. So anyway. What about the end of verse 41? Did that stick out to anyone? I've got it like highlighted. Living that second great commandment is the key to becoming a true disciple of Christ. Yeah, I have that underlined. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, if we if we want to be disciples of Christ and we want to be in Zion, we have to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, no ifs, ands, or buts. There's there's no <laughs> no equivocation there. Yeah, that's one of the basic ones. I think of the chosen and when the disciples had all that infighting and you know they really had a hard time following him um and understanding him when they were uh, well when they weren't one yeah yeah hmm. and that that that's that key of, of zion again right it's unity being mm -hmm. one in purpose we don't all have to be the same we don't have to wear the same stuff or think all the exact same things or like even like the same things but if our, our idea is as one to live a Zion life and to have no poor among us and to live that second great commandment, we can't help but change the selfishness out of us and, and, and become more like Christ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love Oh, well, what she, you know, when uh, she said, Nancy was saying about, we have to be one in purpose. We don't have to agree on anything. We had a birthday relief society celebration and something one of the sisters had in her talk really stood out to me. She said, we're, 
we always say we're in the same boat. And she says, we're not in the same boat. She said, some of us might be in a yacht. And she said, like me, I'm in a rowboat with one oar. And she said, but we're not in the same boat, but we're in the same storm. Mm -hmm. And that really stood out to me. And so that we we're all in this together and we're all, you know, the world's going to get more wicked and more treacherous as we go along. And we might be in different circumstances, but we can all help each other through mm -hmm. the storm. Yeah, I love that. That's a great analogy. Thank you for sharing, Al. Yeah. Well, um, anything else from, from that talk or, or anything from, from that conference? Just pulling up the next week's. So next week at Group B is uh, Opening the Heavens for Help. Uh, talk so um you know i'm sure we'll we'll spend some time on hosanna shout and and all of that next week is like <laughs> the big one uh i can see us <laughs> plan for a couple hours uh, we're gonna hunker down and <laughs> i don't know if we'll be on oh this is the one you might miss dang it <laughs> it's his birthday and we're gonna be at his house in ohio so yeah. um it will be 10 o'clock there because it's yeah. Eastern time. So maybe, you know, if we go to bed, we can go down to the basement and, and come on. Um, but we're, we're, uh, we'll take our books and stuff with us, but we'll see. <laughs> you guys night owls? I am, but he's not. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> but if we, if we stay more or less on Utah time, True. then he will be a night owl so then we'll be okay yeah <laughs> i had a i had a question since we're not going over in our group the closing remarks one did anybody have any comments or insights on any of the things on the new temple recommend question um that's one that we're going to be covering on a wednesday so we haven't talked about it yet but if anybody here has i know but we're not going to be here on wednesday yeah. you might be here on wednesday well, that's what i'm saying like i haven't actually went through that talk yet again <laughs> so i don't necessarily have anything at this moment but well, you haven't done our homework i haven't done the homework <laughs> i'm a little bit slacking there was one that I, there's a lot of strive. A lot of words were cha changed to strive. Mm, yeah. Okay. Do you strive to keep this up with the holy? Do you strive to be honest in all that you do? But when it comes to being a full tithe payer, it's not do you strive, it's are you a full tithe payer? Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to go through that when I uh, do this talk. Like, yeah. Which things are striving and which ones are like exact? Yeah. yeah. Um, do you strive for moral cleanliness in your thoughts and behavior? Um, let's see. Where's the other? You know, so there are several strives. Um, and then, you know, of course, the last one do you consider yourself worthy to enter the Lord's house and participate in temple ordinances? That's been there for a while, but you know, that's, that's where you have to know worthy versus worthiness, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So 
Very interesting. I'm going to have to go. What's your worth? I don't know. You know, we're always hardest on ourselves. Mm -hmm. There was, there was something else that changed. There was another word in there and I'm trying to remember. I know. I remember someone giving me a document and lining out the, the two, uh, the old one versus the new one and and like every single little change in there and stuff. I'm going to have to find that. Oh yeah, find that out and put it up there. I'd love to see that. We can stick it in and stick it in my book. Print it out and stick it in. How fat are your books, Nancy? (laughs) (laughs) This one is only this thick, right? So I can put it right here. (laughs) But you know, Old Testament part one of three. How fat are my books? Let's just say we have bought stock inadvertently in a paper company. Yeah. <laughs> bought stock in Happy Planner. I've bought enough of it. You were absolutely right that Joanne has the best. Um, no, Michael's, Michael's best selection. You were Joanne has been putting all their Happy Planner stuff on clearance and just throwing it in a bin in the middle of the aisle, I hear. So. Oh, really? I didn't have what I wanted. Yeah, I got a whole box. Like I looked on, um, it was two weeks ago, Michael's had a sale on their rainbow ones. And so mm-hmm. I got like each pack was only $2. And so I was like, <laughs> yep. And so I'm like, okay, I'm loading up. <laughs> Even though they're the fruitiest, ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. I'm not, yeah, I'm going to have to go spray paint them. Hearts in them. <laughs> I know. Better price too than mm-hmm. Joanne. Yeah. Punch yeah. for like $20 more, I think, than 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 Michael's. So I'm, 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 I'm just getting you. I'm making converts. Actually, um, Cameron Staples carries a similar kind of thing. It's um, the ARC system from Staples. Okay. So they don't have any holes in them. They don't have any holes in them. They're solid and black. And Are they directly compatible? like with the hole punch yes okay yeah sweet so they look like that these are two inch they're the biggest they're the biggest ones i found yeah Um, so So have you have you started using them yet well oh yeah i have i have a um oh they're tool t-u-l is what they are is the brand i guess what it is from i don't think there is I think that they have a thicker disc mm-hmm. and that the uh, the T-hub on the outside of them isn't as tall. So, I mean, they'll, they'll, a- still, work, they'll still work with your punch and yeah. such, but they may be, they may not slide as well because the, the punch mm-hmm. will make the slot, will cut the slot, but the slot won't be wide enough for the the inner center disc unless you get their punch and then it's yeah. going to give you a bigger hole yeah so anyway yeah, very interesting. This, is, this is my my cup of stairs um <laughs> I dumped them all out everywhere <laughs> see i have a, <laughs> a that, that's my cup of stairs <laughs> so I don't have many. Most of mine have things on them. Mm-hmm. 
So anyway, uh, that that just warms my little heart to hear all of my little happy planner. Um, if we take all the plastic rings that Nancy owns, we could probably melt them down and make a small yacht. <laughs> I didn't believe when you said I don't have many. I didn't believe that for a moment. So <laughs> things on them. These are spares. Oh, you don't have many spares. <laughs> Yeah, no, I have lots and lots of metal ones. I gave Scott all the plastic ones. I've broken too many plastic ones to really want to use them very much. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, me and my me and my happy planner. <laughs> I'm invested now, so. <laughs> and we know about it, so you can't turn back. I don't think, unless you find something better. Mm-hmm. See, this is my punch. Yeah, I got the same one. I have to take mine back because I got the one that was too small. You said you got the blue one. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you told me. Thank you. <laughs> I got the small one too. I just started with the big one when I started making the scriptures and you know notes and stuff like that and printing off things. Is the small one worth having also? Well, I I use the, the smaller size planner, right? Uh, so my planner is that size. Okay. I'm just do, doing the eight and a half by 11. So right. I've been using this planner type since 2015 when they came out. So I got the small one first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Old hat for you. Yeah, so you're going to need the biggest discs, and you're probably going to need two sets of them for four donations as you're printing it out. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to go through and like measure and stuff. I'm like, holy cow, this is going to be too big. How many I checked a few days ago. Yeah, they're all on there now. What? All 40? Yeah. Oh. How many pages is it, Cameron? Holy moly. How many pages is for ordination? Let's see. It is 514. Okay. And if you're buying like the actual book itself, the pages are extra thick. Like it's it's thick paper. It's not like your normal run-of-the-mill stuff. So yeah. you scanned all that book into <laughs> <Yeah>. wow. <laughs> so these I are better the start downloading it before. <laughs> these are the Happy Planner expansion rings. And this has 462 double-sided pages on it. Put that of up. 20, of 28-pound paper. 28-pound, okay. This is 28-pound paper. Now, if you had if you had lighter weight paper, it wouldn't take as much space. But then when you go to highlight and stuff, you'll see through it. So when I do these, I do it on 28-pound paper so that it doesn't go through. Um, if I just have want to have a book that I can read, I might do it on 20 pounds, and then you might be able to get the whole thing on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this is 462, and you said that's what, 516? Yeah. And well, so, yeah. It's only 25 more. your paper, you'd probably be able to do it. It's only 25 more sheets of paper if you, if you print double-sided, because this is all double-sided. So mm-hmm. you could get 16 more sheets in there, do you think? Oh yeah, I probably could even right now, um, but if I used a lighter weight paper, for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is uh, Genesis to Second Samuel. 
Do you know, I, I printed out, um, I don't know. What, what kind of paper did you use, Cameron, on our books? Because I've been using the markers that Nancy, you told me about Nancy, and they don't bleed through. Um, it is 20 pound paper. I just bought a ream at, or the box at Walmart, but it's okay. 20 pound. So that works. I don't have any bleed through at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so with the forward donations, if you are printing it out, um, so like I've got the digital copy, but I compressed the PDF a lot so that it was viewable on your computer, but it's not like the greatest resolution if you're printing. If you're wanting to print it, let me know and I can send you like the, the full-blown PDFs. They're gonna take a while to download, but I scan them in a, in a higher resolution that way. Did you ever put me in the group for that? I was waiting to see some kind of a notification on that and I don't know that I did. Oh yeah, it probably wouldn't send you a notification, but yeah, I added you to it. Uh, let me make it's sure. In learn, it's in the Learning Zion website, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Learning Zion. I yeah. They would just pay just to download what you've done, but they don't. <laughs> I know. I've talked to them before, but they don't have an ebook and they're not going to give We're out. Honest, and I'd be happy to buy it when it comes. So, uh -huh. yeah. Really odd. Who yeah. is Robert Charlton? No, I want to find that out too. Nobody will give me an answer. <laughs> Good question. Is it a pen name? Yeah, it seems to be a pen name. So the only the only question I have when you've got something like that and somebody doesn't want you to know who they are is, you know, who are they? Yeah, and what are their intentions? Is it like intentions like Spencer or is it intentions like, oh, I just want to make money off this book? <laughs> Or, or if it intentions like somebody who already has a reputation and doesn't want um, doesn't want their bad reputation to precede them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they saw what happened with visions of glory and don't want to repeat. Well, mm -hmm. that I could understand. That's not a bad intention, right? right. Yeah, I just like like, like when I see a book um uh what was the book it was getting your second having your second comforter experience oh or something <laughs> by anonymous right all i can think of is okay did denver snuffer just put anonymous on there and just you know he didn't want his name on it so yeah. he could have more people read what he's writing you know and 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 some of his stuff he, he led a whole bunch of people away i'm not really interested in reading something he's written and so I'm, I'm just a little skeptical about those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to know who is this person? Yeah, I'll keep trying to find out and stuff. But like this one person that I'm talking, I only have one point of contact, Jennifer Drummy or whatever her name is. Uh-huh. She's not giving me much. I I don't know. I, I, I burned my bridge before I built a friendship. And so I, I went about it the wrong way. But anyway, I, one of these days I'm going to, what if it's one of the brethren and they're well known so they don't want people to know who they are you know like i don't know that just went through my mind it's like hey let's get the other way around exactly it could be i don't know um it's interesting i have not read the book so mm -hmm. i've got that, that's the thing there's some things in there that i'm just like meh but then there's a lot of things that i'm like okay that's interesting it's something i haven't heard of and so i go back to the scriptures corroborate 
work with the spirit kind of a thing. And so it's, it's, it's an interesting process, but yeah. Yeah, how much of it is actually, you know, corroborated and everything by stuff that's in the scriptures? And how much of it is opinion of the author? There's a lot of opinion of the author in there, true. Um, but I found that most of the things that like the spirit was trying to teach me were like very well corroborated in the scriptures and I just didn't see it before. And so it kind of gave me a framework, but but there's some things too. I'm just like, mm, that's pretty off. <laughs> but you know, the hypocrypha, right? The hypocrypha. Yeah. Yeah, so it may kind of go into it with discernment. Truth in it, but then again, it may also be the conflagrations of man. So let the spirit be your guide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also think that it, it's the work of like multiple people too, because he mentions that a few times um, throughout the the book, where um, somebody else kind of comes in and tells their story, kind of thing. So, and maybe that's why it's just listed under one name. Mm -hmm. but, but yeah, that's why. If there's actually different voices in the book from different authors. Yeah, because yeah. I'm in a group with Jennifer Drummy, and I remember seeing that book come out. I don't know when it was first published. Was it a couple years ago? Um, on here it says 2020, but I don't know. Okay. That, that could be just but like this edition. I thought I'd have to go see if I could find it because I thought it was from a year or two ago. I thought she said that she wrote a chapter. Well, that in the would book. Be. That's yeah, why she was right. saying this is going to be published soon. Twenty twenty would be a year or two ago. Yeah, so I can't remember when I saw, it, but I I do remember seeing the book, and I was like, oh, okay. And I thought she had said she wrote a chapter, and I thought each chapter would have different people. When I saw that different names, and now you're saying it's under one name. So mm -hmm. interesting. So do we do what group is that? Uh, it's called Aware and Prepare. Mm. I think I think that's where I saw it. It's been a long time ago that I saw yeah, the book. I, I saw her like I started corresponding with her when she started arguing with me on Moss's group. I think I'm still a member of Moss's group. Maybe if I know. Yep. I know. I was looking through our, our book clubs one time. It was a month or so ago. I'm like, huh, interesting. A lot of our people have been kicked off. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. So aware and prepare. It's a preparedness group. Yeah. Uh, let me see what her thing says on it. Um, what does Is it, it say? It's got the logo of some fell upon stony places. Mm -hmm. I found it. It's asking me who I know in the group. Um, I don't know who you know in the group. <laughs> well, you're in the group, right? Are I'm in the group. Let's see. Who else is in the group you know? I don't know. Uh -huh. I've been it for, I don't know, several years. So, um, like lots of mutual people in there. Uh, I have 14 different people. Are you in there, Cameron? No. Oh, I didn't even know about it, but like, are you friends with Jody Stoddard? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Jody Stoddard's in the group. Oh, I'll just put her. Moss is in the group. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> he's not active though. I never see anything. Jody's yeah. not very active either. Huh. They're there, but they don't post. Can do we you post anything? Put, or do you want us to not put you? Oh, it doesn't matter. Okay. What's your last name, Al? Um, I'm under L E L L E. Trying to remember what the rest of it. Uh, e N, I think. Is that two? It's two words. Okay, that's what I thought. Trying to see if Jennifer, I think Jennifer's in it. It's mostly political stuff along with some preparedness stuff. Okay. Jennifer. Oh, let's see. Maybe she's left the group. <laughs> Listen, what? Facebook's been hassling the administrator of it, so. Um, oh, because of the political stuff? Yes, I think. That's probably why yeah. they want to know who you who you know. Keep the bots out. Have you guys uh, been experiencing that too? Like, I mean, stuff from like I don't know four or five years ago has been starting to get flagged because it contained political stuff, and I'm like, what the heck? I forgot that was even on there. So I'm like going through my Facebook, like trying to like clean up any sort of anything. <laughs> so dumb. You too, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm going. Yeah, exactly. Because what I we started, I asked if you knew anything about the social credit, as people know anything about the social credit score. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I had never heard of that before. You haven't you heard of it before, heard Cameron? It before? Mm -mm. How many people have heard of it? Me. You? Not. Anybody else? Nope. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, I think she might have some stuff in that group about it. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's something you should look up. It's, there's letters for it. I can't remember what it's called, but most banks are doing it. Yeah, um, I, I've been approved to join the group probably because I know somebody and they probably okay. have it set up to automatically let you in if you know someone. Uh -huh. I don't I see Jennifer in anymore. Um, a couple people have left because um, they have kind of, they have different views on the church. Mm -hmm. and the, the admin the original the admin is very a very staunch follower of the church okay so the ones so. who have left have different views so yes okay yeah i can't find her so she might have left a couple people have left that had controversial views and either like she asked them to leave because they were causing contention or um yeah like the people so. um doing the doctrine of christ group yes i think a couple of them have were in both groups and they posted mm -hmm. things that that against the church and she said nope they can't have that yep okay so they left and they're on that group <laughs> i'm good and, with that yeah yeah Okay. Oh. 
But yeah, if you don't know about social credit score, I think that's a lot of what Facebook is trying to do is data gather what your stuff is and maybe share it with to use against you for if you want credit for anything for a car or, or a loan um yeah glenn beck has done some good stuff on talking about mm -hmm. that quit coming yeah. um you know so you can look him up on um blaze tv on youtube you know he's got some good stuff if you want more information on that, China has been doing a social credit score for years. And mm -hmm. so I've been following it since they um, since they were doing it. Yeah, I might've shared something to the group. I found some long post. I can't remember if I shared it there on other social media, but like I said, I'm cleaning up some of the stuff because I just, you know. Yeah. So, and she's very careful about what she's posting now. She's mostly posting scriptural stuff and things like that and um do they use code and everything like the um it's not freedom. like the the medical one that they have the medical freedom where they really code stuff but she asks you to put kind of like um i don't know if you know who julie beale is mm, the name she has familiar. she has a group too but she has people put stuff in the comments yes yeah so you don't put anything thing no links and no um controversial words or anything in the main part you can right. put them in the comments yeah but in in like the health freedom forum we even code everything in the comments yeah and they're trying she's trying to get people to do that too a lot of them don't she does but she's okay. not posting as much anymore because facebook has kind of given her a lot of warnings and say if you get another one your group is gone oh wow okay so about not it's not about social credit score but as far as what they're tracking so they're not tracking anything that is in the comments only posts is that right uh, um, i don't know that i would actually say that because i've seen people put things in the comments and seen it flagged and seen mm -hmm. especially if they're pictures pictures okay. get hidden pictures get flagged um there was a, a picture I saw that had a quote from Thomas S. Monson on it, but apparently the background picture that they used had also been used by somebody else for something else. And I don't know what that was used for, but mm. the quote by Thomas S. Monson was flagged as um, being against the um, the terms of, terms of um, the community standards because it promoted suicide. And I looked at it, I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> So, you know, and people can report you and say whatever they want and the, and the bots will wow. just take it now, down. So, Do you know anything about likes or, or not likes? Um, likes generally, uh, like on your own page and your own thing, it will no, show I don't more know. people's just news like feeds. Private Facebook groups. Yeah, in private Facebook groups, I don't know that the likes change anything okay. although they, you know, they keep wanting to give you the most relevant comments and they keep wanting to and, and it'll set that as the default and it won't let you change it you have to change it each time to all comments and um it always sorts by latest activity which is not most recent post i didn't know that yeah okay. so if you look yeah. at the if under facebook when you first get to a group 
before sure. you see all of the posts, there's a little tiny thing that it says, um, it probably says most recent activity on the right, which means you could get a post that's two weeks old that somebody's just come along and finally sure. seen and made a comment on and now it's at the top. Mm -hmm. But if you really wanna see what was the most recent thing that was put, you have to change that to most recent and, or um, yeah, most recent posts. So um, it's right under featured and it's this little tiny thing that says new activity. Oh, okay. So if yeah. you then hit sort, then it comes up and says, do you want new activity or most recent posts or oh. recent posts? Then you can select recent posts and now you'll get the most recent thing will be first. Okay. I have and, a phone instead of different. Is that, is, I have an iPhone. Is that an iPhone? It is a, it is a Facebook feature. It's not a phone feature. <laughs> but is that come up on the, um, like the private groups? Yeah, this is the private, this was a private group that I just showed you. Okay. I'll have a that was the aware and prepare group. Yeah. yeah. And she doesn't limit your emojis, but I know Julie's group asked you to put happy or likes or nothing, no negative emojis oh. on it because Facebook um, doesn't realizes that it's, it, it flags it sort of. So she said, don't put angry, but the, that group does, she doesn't ask you to do that. But I know another group has asked us not to, to do that. Well, I'm still pending because I don't know enough people. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And that's it. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, too too bad. Because now I'm in, then it should automatically, if you're my friend, are you my friend? I don't know. Are you my friend? <laughs> I can add you, Leslie, because I think I can request to add friends. Okay. Let's do all that. I I know message Nancy, but I don't know if that makes us Facebook friends. I don't know. I don't know how all this works. I know just enough to get myself in trouble sometimes. Well, and that is a problem, isn't it? It is. <laughs> My husband would just kind of roll his eyes and shake his head. So, okay, do I need to do anything else or is that, it's what you guys are doing? I'm looking, Le I'm adding you as a friend, Leslie. Oh, thank What's you. What's your name on Facebook, Leslie? Cause I typed yeah. it in. Uh, it's Leslie Ann and it's got a sunset as a picture. Okay. Well, we're, I'm trying to. We're friends. Yeah, so I'm trying to invite you. And thank you. Unless I'm not spelling your name right. <laughs> All right, you got me. Thank you. If you can't invite her, I probably can. Yeah, I can't. It's not coming. Hmm. It's not finding her. Hmm. Oh, there. Oh. Okay. Just thought. I just saw it. Why did it disappear? Do you have? There we go. Have, um, oh, it says you're already a member. Uh, well, it wasn't before. <laughs> That's great. He's <laughs> been approved. Woohoo! Thank you. Yeah. It just—it's who you know, right? <laughs> yeah, you're in there, Leslie. Thank you. There you go. 
Awesome. Yep. Just keep finding these different groups. So, you know, I'm finding out all these different, you know, groups that I'm like, I'm, I'm not really on many, very many groups on Facebook. And I don't spend a lot of time. Actually, most of my time is probably spent in canning rebels. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's my, that's a group that I spend a lot of time in is, you know, I'm such that's a rebel canner. What is it called? Canning rebels? Canning rebels. Yeah. <laughs> Baking rebels, canning rebels. We're a group of people who don't like to be told these are the rules and you can't do something else, you know. Gotcha. <laughs> you can't do something else, yeah. But it's, it's only about canning. She doesn't allow any political posts. She doesn't allow any religious posts. She doesn't allow any of that stuff. It is strict. It doesn't even really allow recipes. It, she's, if you want recipes, we got recipe rebels and you can go and post it there. But it, it's all, you know. Wow. So, um, you know, it's, it's really cool. I get all sorts of ideas of things that I could do. I canned peaches once in my life and that was it. <laughs> I'm like, this is too much work. <laughs> I can't go buy a can of peaches. So. I think we're doing carrots tomorrow. <laughs> I'm very impressed. I need to mend my ways. <laughs> I love it. That's funny. Gosh. Oh, um, yeah. I, I can meet. I can. I oh can marry. Um. <laughs> yeah. I, I I've canned macaroni and cheese before. Oh my gosh. I've done jam once or twice. That's it. jam, jellies, syrups, veggies, <laughs> meats. Well, Salt steaks are really good. Wow. Hard boiled eggs. French fries. Oh, French fries. Yeah. Then French fries. Uh, are you kidding me? No. <laughs> no. We've cut our own French fries. We have a, a potato cutter, cuts a fry cutter, and we dry can them. So they're French fries. So when you bring them out and put them in the air fryer, they crisp up. Oh my gosh. Have you done that, Cameron? Uh, nope. <laughs> I've done, I've freeze dried my french fries and stuff and they're delicious, but I haven't done that before. Yeah, I don't have a freeze dryer. I wasn't willing to wait the four months that harvest guard, harvest guard, right? Harvest right. Harvest right. Okay, so harvest guard is the canning lids and harvest right mm -hmm. is the freeze dryer. And I, I know the difference. I just keep screwing them up every time I try to say it. Um, I, Harvest uh, Harvest Wright told me I had to wait like four months for a freeze dryer. Uh, I had the money. I wanted to put it in my car. It didn't work that way. Um, <laughs> Just come up to Idaho anytime. They're always in stock. <laughs> well, the Harvest Wright is in Salt Lake. I drove yeah. to their I drove to their headquarters, <laughs> and I was like, I want one. It was, but it was July of 2020. And they said, well, maybe October. And I was like, uh, no, I think I'll use my money for something else. And so I did. So yeah. no freeze dryer. No freeze dryer. I just got another dehydrator and a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> yep. So anyway. All right, you guys. It is it is getting to the pumpkin hour. Oh, hold on. What was that question that just came up? 
What was the question? Oh, hold on just a second. I don't rehydrate them. Um, I just so um, they were. <laughs> this is the most random story, but like a fundraiser here locally, the drill team was selling French fries and tater tots and stuff like that, and it was taking up a lot of room in my freezer. So <laughs> I just um, freeze dried those, and I pull them out, and because they're already flash fried, so they're already like cooked. But anyway, so anyway, you just, just, eat, you just eat them dry. Yeah, I just oh. eat them dry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they're really crunchy really good you just dip them in ketchup <laughs> <laughs> and then like the tater tots i just pull those out and pop them on top of the tater tot casserole or whatever and throw them in the oven kind of thing so they kind of rehydrate okay. that way but... okay i just worried about the oil in them <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah there there's not too much oil uh I, they did just fine in my my freeze dryer so hopefully <laughs> I don't know <laughs> when when things come down and I'm gonna have to live off my food storage. I might get botulism real bad. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, everybody everybody throws that B word around, but on the latest data that the CDC has put out on botulism, um, there aren't any deaths, and the only people who got sick, most of them, got sick from some commercially canned fish in Alaska. And the others were all from salad. So no home canned things. That's good to know. I, I trust it a lot better now <laughs> because some of the stuff I'm like, uh, that's a little iffy, but I'm still going to do it because I'll just pray over it. Bless it. We'll, we'll be good. Well, you can do that. And, and if it's something that you're going to cook, you know, if it's something you're going to put in a stew or something, you bring it to a boil, boil it for five to 10 minutes, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know that'll kill it that'll kill it you're not and then you're not going to kill anybody else you're fine <laughs> Help. Yeah. all right well it's been fun we'll see everyone next week for i can't even remember but one of those talks <laughs> well hopefully hopefully we'll see we'll see how it goes like i said because it'll be 10 o'clock at night we might be you know gone down to our bedroom in the basement right Mm -hmm. next week it is opening the heavens for help mm -hmm. yep, yep. all right we'll see, see everyone next week yeah. <laughs> have a great week everyone bye